Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is, is being a parcel mouth a useful skill? Hey the listeners, it's me, Jem, and I'm arguing that yes, it is a very useful skill. And I'm Rhea, and I'm arguing that no, it's a terrible, useless skill. <laughs> Look, it's great. <laughs> you can't change my mind. <laughs> well, let's just see. Um, first of all, all right. I want to establish we're talking about being a parcel mouth in the wizarding world in general, not in Harry's story in yep. specific, because obviously it was useful yep. to Harry in several specific cases. Like, that's just, that's a useless uh-huh. argument to try and do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. So I'm still, like, you know, someone living in Wizard in Brit- Britain, attending Hogwarts, whatever, but I'm not yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, cool. Yeah, right. you're not Harry Potter defeating, fighting Voldemort and trying to get into the Chamber of Secrets and those specific things. But yeah, yeah, generally speaking, somebody who lives in Magical Britain, goes to Hogwarts, lives in adult life, and is a parcel mouth. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. God, my dream. <laughs> okay, so I've written down ten points, ten reasons, of, or more like ten things that I would do if I was a parcel mouth. Okay. That I think are very useful <laughs> things or beneficial things. All right. Okay. So. <laughs> I don't have like ten reasons. I just have reasons why they're bad. Okay. Numero uno. I would open the Chamber of Secrets to use as a study, napping, or relaxing space. (laughs) So I assume this is, you know, after book two. So the Chamber of Secrets has been established as a place and, like, Basilisk defeated, all that sort of stuff. But I would just totally just go down there as, like, a nice space to, you know, get a level head, have a bit of a relax, maybe a party. I don't know. It's, like, a useful, big, common area that I can access Mm. alone. So I can bring down there whoever I need to bring down there. Or just by myself mm-hmm. and just chill out. I think it's great. Okay. The only other potential person I could run into is Harry Potter and just like beat it, <laughs> scam. <laughs> like this is my my area. <laughs> Wild that you would be like. I know you came in here, saved Ginny Weasley's <laughs> life, and defeated a basilisk, but I own this space. <laughs> I want to read my it- book in peace. <laughs> so get out of here. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I'm uh, hosting I... a fancy dress party and you're not invited, so get out of here. <laughs> i got to prep the tables. <laughs> I would call this unrealistic, but, like, this is classic gem, so I can't really argue <laughs> against it. <laughs> it did... First of all, you've got an assumed level of knowledge about the events of the Harry Potter books that I didn't think was going to be in this episode, so that's already thrown me. Second of all... <laughs> 
I kind of agree because it did always drive me nuts that like they never tried to get into the Chamber of Secrets again after the second book. It was oh, like yeah. everyone just forgot about it. Especially in the fifth book. Yeah. Where it's like, where will we train the DA? We need to find a perfect space. It's like the Chamber of Secrets, you idiots. You're the only one who can get in. Yeah. It's huge. It's a perfect secret yeah. spot, but whatever. Yeah, there's no point in having a DA meeting without Harry because he's the leader and the teacher. So Harry's the only one that can get in, so he just has to go to the bathroom, open it, they all go down, and then they all come back up together. I guess it's a big crowd moving all at the same time, but it's still a pretty good option. Yeah. You would just have to space out the crowd more. So Harry would have to get there first, yeah. stay in the bathroom, keep the, the door open, and then, yeah. Everyone would have to arrive in twos or threes and leave in twos or threes, which they have to do anyway. Because that's how they mm-hmm. set up the room for requirement. Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to get there first to set it up, yeah. and then everybody comes and goes. Like, so it's not changing anything. Anyway, that's not that's not the conversation we're having. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's here's my problems with you using the Chamber of Secrets. The tunnel to get in there collapsed. <laughs> so have fun moving all the rocks. <laughs> Yeah. It's filthy and full of rat skeletons and a giant basilisk skeleton. So damp, so cold. <laughs> Gem, there's a library in the school. Go read your book there. Look, it's a bit of a fixer-upper. That's a minor thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I think the slide is fun. I would slide down that, woo, all the way down to the like skeleton-covered floor. Yeah, kind of mm. gross, kind of creepy. And get covered but in mess- filthy sewer slime have fun in your sewer slide you know what's fun magic tergio it's gone (laughs) (laughs) all the gross stuff is off my body (laughs) okay Okay, the rocks are a bit of an issue if you could like yep (laughs) if you could like roll around in like shit and slime and goo and then get up and snap your fingers and have it all be gone instantly would you still say that that's like a pleasant and good experience? If I ha- if I had to roll around and shit and slime and goo in order to get to a really cool place that only I can access, then yeah, it's it's not great, but it's like I would still do it if I can clean myself instantly. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> um, the rocks are a bit of an issue. It might take me a while to clear a path, but you know I can use magic to do that. Levitation charms. I just got to be real careful. And then, yeah, I've got my own space that I can access. Sure, it's full of rats and stuff, but there are spells to ward off rats, the Red Spark spell. And, um, you know, I'm I'm sure I can fix it up a bit. You know, magic makes things so much easier. I can fix some of the leaks. I can get a nice little sofa down there. It's just like, you know, imagine the ultimate slumber party in the Chamber of Secrets with all your mates. Like, that's great. Like, they get to play in the skeleton. How often do you get to see a basilisk skeleton up close? I love this giant, dark, freezing cold, wet cave with a skeleton in it. This is the best place for a party with my friends. I mean, I've, I don't know about you, but I've broken into abandoned buildings to walk around and see how cool and haunted it is. I like spooky when? things. When did you do that? In high school. What abandoned buildings? There was like this one that we like lived near and it was like, it used to be um, kind of like a big like surf club or a bowls club and then there was like an asbestos leak and so it's boarded off and yeah I went in there um, with my friends just to look around do some photography oh my god Gem <laughs> it wasn't dodgy okay. or anything it was like the middle of the day <laughs> it's super full of asbestos though anyway okay you're crazy 
Look, I like haunted old places that are abandoned. I think it's cool to explore them. I I strongly disagree. If a, if a building is not designed <laughs> for me to be in there and having a good time, I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be somewhere that's dirty <laughs> okay. and has nowhere nice for me to sit down. Well then, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm hosting a fancy dress party and you're not invited, so scam. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Honestly, gladly. I think this is a useful skill <laughs> and maybe some people agree yeah. with me. <laughs> okay. I hmm. So I have points to present, but I think it might be better if we go through your arguments first and then do mine. Let's do that. Um, so my second reason for why parcel mouth parcel tongue is useful. Mm-hmm. I would use the skill as a way to prove that I'm from magical stock in order to protect my own life during the war. <laughs> so when Death Eaters and Snatchers are wandering around being like, you're a Muggerborn or you're a Hufflepuff, you can't <laughs> prove me otherwise, I'd be like, uh-uh, I can speak past the mouth, which means I'm directly descended from Salazar Slytherin, so I have magical stock and you can't kill me. <laughs> Done. <laughs> okay. That's wild. I think that Voldemort would kill you. <laughs> outright <laughs> if he found out there was someone else Why? who could claim that to be a descendant of Slytherin and speak Parseltongue two things that he thinks makes him so special and unique and important he would just kill you outright hmm yeah I guess but if it's just your average snatcher being like fucking prove to me that you're a wizard and I'm just like <laughs> like he'd be like whoa okay alright I get it <laughs> then I think I'd be able to get away with it. Maybe. Or maybe he'd be like, there's a chance that he'd be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to fuck with this person who's obviously more high status than I am. Or they might be like, we're taking her to Voldemort. We're taking her to the Dark Oof. Lord. Because she can speak the super secret special language that only Voldemort can speak. Voldemort uses that language to give orders and instructions to Nagini that only he yeah. can understand. I think he would be pissed if he knew that there was someone else who could understand it, aside from Harry, which he does know about and hates. Yeah. Imagine it from Voldemort's perspective. He thinks he's, like, the most special fucking guy in the world. Like, he's trained and practiced mm. and waited for so long, and then he finds out that fucking Jem Just Jam <laughs> from fucking Ottery Street down the road <laughs> can also speak to snakes and just lives her life like a normal person. Oh, also... <laughs> The other thing that I've just thought of. So, being a parcel mouth is incredibly rare. It's so, so rare. Yeah. Known parcel mouths that exist at the moment are Voldemort and Harry Potter. So, if if you're like, yeah. I'm a special parcel mouth, they're going to be like, it's Harry Potter in disguise. Let's kill him. <laughs> Shit. Well, no, they won't kill me. They'll just take me to Voldemort, yeah. in which case I'll die anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look... It's not great, this is a bad but use. I think it could help me get out of a few sketchy situations in which I have, like, a low-grade snatcher or a low-grade Death Eater trying to capture me or trying to prove that mm-hmm. I'm Muggleborn. In which case I just yeah. feel like, no, it's impossible for me to be Muggleborn because here I can speak to snakes. And, like, that's... A Muggleborn couldn't do that. That is... Hopefully that is they're a, dumb enough. That is an incredibly high-risk mm. use of Parseltongue, but I agree that it could be useful in the right circumstances. But so much more likely to screw you over than it is to help you. You've got to really got to pick your battles. I wouldn't use it with like Bellatrix Lestrange, or like <laughs> definitely a, not. An average snatch, snatcher that can't like you know count past ten without taking your shoes off. I think I can make it. Like, 
Okay. I'll cop that, definitely. Uh, three. Um, something else I would do is I would get a pet snake, which I can use for companionship, spying, finding things, or searching in small spaces. I think this mm-hmm. is obvious. I would absolutely do this. <laughs> yep. 100% the best use of parcel yeah. tongue is having mm-hmm. a pet snake that you can talk to. That's hands down the best use. How was that? Not I was your just first going in reason? order of what my mind thought. Okay, I know this is the best reason. I just wanted to leave it in the middle. It's like a spicy little, <laughs> spicy little entree. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine all the secrets you'd learn. <laughs> you know, your little snake friend comes up to you at the end of the day. It's like you'll never believe what I just yeah. heard, and all this sort of stuff. And if you need to find something. That's then like some hard, like it's under a door that you can't get through. It can just slither under the door mm-hmm. or find its own way in. Like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a bit on the fence with this because the real question for me is, is it good to have a pet that you can talk to? Because like on some levels that is good. Obviously you can share secrets. You can calm your pet down if there's a storm and they won't calm down because they're too dumb to understand that it's a storm. <laughs> recent example based on my life (laughs) things like that you could be like don't freak out I'm just going to work you don't have to destroy everything I'll be back soon but also that pet could be like I'm hungry now I'm hungry feed me now and you'd have to listen to all of their inane rudimentary snake thoughts like what do snakes have that's interesting to say okay first of all Parcel tongue, you're not hearing a snake's thoughts, okay? It's like the snake is talking to you. So when, yeah, okay. like the snake isn't like getting all their fucking brainwaves. Um, so it'd be like having a conversation, it'd be like having a friend or a roommate. Yeah, fair enough. I was just thinking that like animals probably don't really have a good sense of like what are private thoughts that I should keep to myself and what are things I should say out loud. I think if an animal can say something, it will say something, because they're just not that smart. Well, that's fine. That's me. <laughs> like, I don't care about that. <laughs> I'm an open book. <laughs> um, but snakes are pretty independent creatures, so if my, my snake wouldn't be telling me, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, it would just go and hunt its food itself and then come back and talk to me about its day. Like, I think it's not like having a dog that mm-hmm. can't survive without human companionship and human yeah. taking care of it. Snakes are pretty pretty well off (laughs) of all the animals to talk to snakes are one of the better ones but on on the flip side snakes are much more boring than a dog at least a dog's doing something walking around interacting with you snakes like have to sort of stay in a specially designed environment most of the time Mm. and go out and hunt its own food are you just letting this snake loose what if it gets injured or lost then i'll find a new snake (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like what do you mean that happens to pets all the time that's how they deal with pets in hogwarts they let the pets out like all the time owls are just swooping around the country cats are just wandering the grounds killing people's rats like it just <laughs> that's how it is <laughs> yeah that is how they do pets at hogwarts all the pets just roam free and none of them are in like proper environments that's this is the side of Rhea that wanted a pet snake really desperately and did a lot of research into how to take care of them and what they need. In real life, a snake needs a lot more care and a controlled environment. 
Um, <laughs> but I guess if you just want to have like a fucking free range python, whatever, I'll go nuts. It wouldn't be a fucking python, okay? I'm not going to have a carpet python for a pet. It would be like a little. <laughs> A little tree snake or something that I can hide on my person if necessary. I'm not going to have a fucking Nagini-like snake that's like a threatening thing. No, it's going to be like a little noodle. And <laughs> it'll just live its life. Okay. What what kind of snake? Do you have a specific one in mind? Um, well, these are Australian snakes, but I like uh, green tree snakes. So I'm guessing I'm based in UK in this scenario. Okay. So something equivalent that- to a green tree snake would be good. Okay, just that is a python. Just but so not know. a big ass one. Okay, that's what I mean. <laughs> not a huge python. Yeah. Not a not a huge python. Yeah. That's fine. Because like the small little noodle steaks are still pythons, unless yeah. you're going for one that's a venomous snake. Mm. I don't see. Oh, never mind. The, we're getting too specifically into snakes. <laughs> so my point is <laughs> that I would have a small snake. That I can carry around with me as necessary, but like when it comes to feeding it, I'll just let that snake feed itself, mm-hmm. and it probably won't be that big of an issue because snakes in Harry Potter are smarter than your average snake in the real world. Yeah, like we know this because of the way that Harry and Voldemort interact with them. The snake in the first book can understand Spanish, even though it's from Brazil and should be speaking Portuguese. So it, it knows at least two languages, three, because it speaks English. So. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes are fucking smart. <laughs> and Parseltongue. Four languages. This snake is so smart. <laughs> so, I think my snake would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, much like how owls in Harry Potter can deliver the mail, yeah. and owls in real life cannot. <laughs> Snakes in Harry Potter can yes. have a lot of intelligence. That's fine. Um, so do you have any more issues with my having a snake as a pet or companion issue? All of my issues are that I don't think you're taking care of it, but that's fine because it's a it's a magical. <laughs> I think I'm universe. taking good care of it, <laughs> so we don't need to worry about the snake's well being. It's fine. <laughs> the fourth reason that I had for why parcel tongue is useful is that I would use it to protect myself from attacks from snakes or basilisks. I think this is kind of self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, know, if I was going on holiday to like Australia. <laughs> where there's so many snakes <laughs> and let's say I'm walking along and I'm with some idiots that don't know how to approach a snake in the wild. And so they mm-hmm. see a snake slither across the path and I'm like a normal person and I just stop and wait for the snake to go. But the idiots start to freak out. And so the snake starts to freak out. I can be like, whoa, buddy. Hey. And try to attack the snake because so many people do that. Yeah. I can be like, whoa, buddy. Hey, it's, it's all good. These guys are idiots. I'm sorry about them. You just go about your business. Don't mind us. And then the snake will leave. And I could save lives. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> um, yeah. Real quick PSA. I don't know if this is as big a problem in other countries as it is in Australia, but in Australia it's a huge problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. If you see a snake, don't try no. to kill it. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Just leave it alone. You don't yeah. have to kill every snake you see. <laughs> no. It's crazy how often this happens. Just leave snakes alone. Don't try to kill it. Don't try and run away or freak out or like run around with a chook without a head. Just calmly leave the area or wait for it, the snake to leave, depending on what area you're in. Like the snake in our library at school. Yeah. Whenever the snake came out, we all just had to leave the library calmly and wait for the snake mm-hmm. to be done. And then we'd go back inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, our library had a snake in it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, okay. 
that's the, that's the snake's house. Just don't leave it alone. Leave the snake alone. It's just there to read. So here's here's my problem with this. We live in Australia where things happen like there's a snake in the school library. How many times have you encountered a snake just sort of loose in the wild in your life? Uh, about four times. Yeah. I can count the number of times I've seen a snake on one hand and I'll have fingers left over. Not including the library snake, which was many occurrences. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> that's in Australia where snakes are everywhere all the time and we have so many snakes you do not live in Australia in this scenario you live in England where there are many less snakes I think where there are significantly less snakes than Australia and I assume they're much less of a common occurrence so how often are you going to encounter a loose snake in the Mm -hmm. wild that's going to try and bite you look I'm not saying it's going to happen all the time, or, like, even often. I'm just gonna say that if it does happen, Mm. I have a great skill (laughs) that could save lives. (laughs) So, yeah, it's not gonna be that common in the UK, (laughs) but even even as a wizard, I could travel, I could go to countries where it is more common, or in the UK, it could be a thing that's useful, like when there's a basilisks and other kind of snake-related monsters, like rune spores, or whatever you want to call them. So... Who knows? It could yeah. be a useful skill. That could come in useful. I don't think it's like a common yeah. everyday use, though. It's definitely a, in this extreme no. circumstance. And the other thing is... Well, I mean, learning CPR is useful. And maybe if you're lucky, you only ever have to use that once in your life. But Or never. That doesn't mean it's any less useful. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you that. I didn't learn CPR yeah. so that I could use it every day. I learned it so that I could use it if needed. Exactly. <laughs> the other thing is, parcel tongue is just a language. It doesn't give you any sort of magical control over snakes. It just lets you influence snakes. Yeah. Y- yeah, it doesn't give you automatic control over them. It just lets you yeah. influence them. I thought I had mm-hmm. the specific quote, but I don't. And I think that like the only reason that is, is because humans are so much more complex and intelligent than snakes. It's just really easy for us to manipulate them. Like, we can already convince animals to do things that we can't communicate with. In fact, we make dogs learn our language so that we can control them better. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do every time you train a dog to recognize yeah. a word. <laughs> yeah. All dogs are bilingual. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't let you control snakes. It's just like, I guess if I'm a snake and I'm like, hmm, I'm going to bite this person, but then they're like, don't do that. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, what's going on? I better stop. I'm scared now. I'm a snake. Yeah. I'm going to say a lot of the times if I was a snake and I got startled and I'm like, my reaction to being startled by someone is to attack, to like defend myself. If there was someone in the group that went, wait, hold on. It was a mistake. We're sorry. You can go now and you go in peace. I think I would just go in peace because then I'm not risking my own neck. Oh yeah. And my whole body is neck. So I can't risk my neck. So (laughs) like, (laughs) I think it makes sense. My precious neck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I don't think that's automatically the case for things like rune spores and basilisks, though, like the magical mm. snake creatures, because mm-hmm. I think being magic makes them a bit more intelligent. I think, like, obviously the basilisk in the Chamber of Secrets is a special case because it was created by Salazar Slytherin yeah. specifically to serve his heir. 
I think if you were just like walking through a dark alleyway and encountered a regular basilisk, it wouldn't necessarily obey your commands just because you can talk to it. But it'd be so much more likely to obey your commands or at least listen to you if you could talk to it. So I think my point stands. <laughs> that it's a useful yeah, fucking It's skill. definitely a leg up. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Uh, five, I could use Parcel's Tongue to study basilisks, rune spores, or other snake-like creatures in the magical universe. So, you know, like, I could make a career out of that, or I could be a consultant mm-hmm. in people who devote their lives to, like, you know, studying these creatures. I think that'd be quite obvious. Yeah. See, here's my problem with this. I think this gets into your definition of the word useful. If you can only use a skill effectively in an incredibly specific circumstance, I don't think it's a very useful skill. So, like, if I become a professional children's entertainer, then juggling is a useful skill for me. But in every other circumstance where it's not my profession, juggling is not a useful skill. Let's look at it this way. You're saying that just because I can only talk to snakes and snake-like creatures, that my skill isn't useful, right? No, I'm saying that if a, if a skill is so specific that you have to, like, structure your entire life around it in order to make good use of it, then it's not a useful skill. A useful skill can be applied in many different okay. circumstances. But what, like, I'm trying to make the argument here that if you were saying that I could talk to all different kinds of animals, then it would be a useful skill, right? But because it's just snakes, it's not as useful. No, I'm just saying that in order to... So you're saying that, like, it would be a good skill if I worked in some sort of snake-related field. But I'm saying, in order for it to be a useful skill, you have to work in a snake-related field. If you don't go into some sort of snake job, then it's not useful. Therefore, it's not useful, because you have to have this specific circumstance in order for it to be useful. This isn't the only job that I've put down in my list of ten things (laughs) that I could get from having parcel tongue. (laughs) This is just the first one we've come across. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so mo- okay, so you have more than one point, which is I could have a snake job. I could ha- I, that I could like you know get a job and earn a wage with having parcel mouth as a skill. Yes, I have more than one point about that. Okay, incredible. <laughs> I'm excited to hear what the others are aside from snake person. Snake Um So my sixth <laughs> point is that. I could have a secret form of communication with my friends and loved ones. So obviously I'm not saying that, you know, my family would be able to speak parcel mouth to you, although that would make sense in that circumstance. If I was a parcel mouth, it would make sense that my siblings... Yeah. yeah. If it's a hereditary skill, then all of your blood relatives should be able to speak parcel That's cool. Secret well. family communication. But also, we know from the books yep. that parcel tongue can be learned. Like, Ron learned phrases from Harry, which he used to open the chamber mm-hmm. in the seventh book. It wasn't like he just knew it, but he had to like try it a few times to get it, but he was able to learn it. So I could potentially like teach my friends a few words in sparkle oh, sparkle tongue. My my words of my I could teach my friends <laughs> a few words in parcel tongue and you know, we could use that to communicate secretly to one another. We could like yeah, basically use that to communicate secretly to one another. I think that's cute. I think that's fun. That's a pretty useful skill, and sometimes when you want to, like, yeah. send each other secret codes and secret messages. I think it's useful if your entire family speaks parcel tongue. The idea that you can teach your friends a couple of words, and that's really useful, I disagree with. 
So I'm going to launch into one of my arguments now because this is about this. One of my arguments is that parcel tongue isn't a useful skill because of the amount of sunk cost that it takes to know parcel tongue. So if you're somebody who's born a parcel mouth, like any of any of the Voldemorts, I was about to say, like any of Slytherin's descendants, that's fine. Because if you have to put absolutely zero yeah. effort into learning it, then, you know, whatever. It's better to have the skill than not. It doesn't cost you anything. You lose nothing by having it. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. not necessary to pick it up as a hereditary skill. You can learn parcel mouth. And, like, for the average person, learning the language is 100% not worth it. So, here's a bit more context on this. JK has said that it's not really possible to learn Parseltongue as a language, but I think that that's contradictory. She's also said that that, uh, Dumbledore Mm -hmm. understands Parseltongue. Because in the memories that he shows Harry in the sixth year... So there's two specific cases. One of them is the memory that's entirely in Parseltongue, which is the memory between Tom Riddle and uh, what's the uncle's name? Morphin Gaunt? Or... No, it's Marvolo, right? Marvolo is the father and Morphin's the son. No, Marvolo is Tom Riddle's father. Yeah, no, g- grandfather. And Morphin is Tom Riddle's uncle. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Gaunt. Yeah, because it's Tom Marvolo Riddle, yeah. grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, so Marvolo's the grandfather and Morphin. Yeah, so the memory between Tom Riddle and Morphin Gaunt is entirely in Parseltongue. So if he didn't understand it, he would yeah. have gotten nothing out of that memory. And the yeah. other one is, like, the first memory where you meet the Gaunt family. And yeah. Morphin says something really specific, like, oh, you know, she's got a crush in the muggle who lives in the big house on the hill. And then Dumbledore yeah. quotes that specific line back to Harry. Yeah. So Dumbledore definitely understands Parseltongue. We can see that in the text. And it's yeah. it, she, JK hasn't specifically said that he can't speak it. So for me, it's like, mm. why would you learn to understand a language and not be able to speak it? The only way that that makes sense is if it's impossible to speak. Like, I think, I think Dumbledore understands Mermish because we see that in fourth book, but I don't think he can speak Mermish because... I don't think the human vocal cord can speak Mermish. That makes sense. But human vocal cords can speak Parseltongue okay. because that's how parcel mouths exist. And it is possible to memorize yeah. words in Parseltongue and recreate them because that's exactly what Ron Repeat can them. do. Yeah. So there's no reason to assume Dumbledore can't speak Parseltongue. Anyway, that was just the research that it took for me to justify that people can learn Parseltongue. It's too much effort to try and learn words in Parseltongue. If you want, like, a cute thing that you can do with your friends, just make up nicknames and stupid words. Just be like, this word means this, and then you don't have to figure out the fucking mouthfeel <laughs> of a snake language and yeah. teach that to your friends. It's too hard. It's not. A, it's too much effort for not okay. enough reward. Uh, first point, I think there is value in learning to understand a language that you can't necessarily speak, because it's a way for someone else to feel more comfortable communicating with you in language that they are more comfortable in. And so even if you understand that but can't necessarily speak it back, it's nice to listen and to like be receiving of the way that they view the world. And I think that this can be a big argument in the way that like we can understand Auslan or ASL or wherever you wherever you are sign language. Like 
I don't know many ways to communicate in sign language, but I've okay. learned more ways to understand it. So I think that there's value in that inherently. Um, mm-hmm. And secondly... I agree, generally, but big difference between deaf people and snakes. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, I'm not saying that. But I just think that inherently <laughs> there is a value in learning t- in learning something just for the sake of uh, respecting someone else's experience and being able to listen to their experience the way that they want to talk and even just learning something for the joy of learning. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily, I'm going to use this every day and it's a fundamental skill. You can pick up a useful skill because you enjoy learning it. And in the process of learning it, that is a useful skill itself because you're learning another language and learning another way to look at the world. Mm -hmm. So that's useful. (laughs) Anyway. um... Okay. I agree that that is useful and there's a lot of value there, but I think that the value is significantly less when you're learning an animal language versus a people language. Okay, of course. Um, but, I mean, like, because people use this, in, like, if, it, if it's like a parcel mouth thing, people use it in their family mm-hmm. to talk to one another. And so maybe if you're joining that family... Yeah, definitely. Like, if you're marrying into it, it can be a great way to mm-hmm. understand that family better and feel more connected to the family's experience. That's what I'm arguing. Yeah, definitely. In that situation, Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're communicating with people, not with snakes. Obviously. <laughs> um, mm. So that's that's one argument I had. My seventh thing that I would use this skill for is I would seal things with my secret language. So we've seen mm-hmm. that you can seal off chambers and seal off lockets with parcel mouth. Sorry, parcel tongue. So, you know, if I'm keeping a diary <laughs> and I don't want my crush or my friends to read it, then I can seal it shut with parcel tongue and no one can find my secrets. I would totally do that. I could keep my money and That's precious true. items in a safe that only I can open with my parcel tongue. <laughs> but you can just do that anyway with a password that doesn't passwords, have to be in snake language. But passwords can still be hacked and discovered. Like when Harry's like trying to get into Dumbledore's office and he just babbles a bunch of different fucking candies until he gets the right one. If people try long yeah. it hard enough, they can, be- they can crack a password. But it's a rare gift to be That's able to speak parcel Dumbled- tongue. <laughs> yeah, parcel tongue is much less common. But that's because Dumbledore sets his password like a fucking boomer. I know. <laughs> yeah, his passwords are stupid. First of all, he sticks to a theme, so you can always just keep guessing. They're just common words that everyone knows, and there's something really personal to him. That's a terrible way to do passwords. The best password is a random string of number and le- let numbers and letters that you just memorize and never write down or tell anyone. Yeah. What's a better password? A random string of number and letters that you memorize and never tell anyone. Or a random string of numbers and letters that you memorize and never tell anyone and is in parcel tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is a great security system. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll agree. This is so far, good uses of parcel tongue. Having a pet snake you can talk to. Having really secure passwords. Those are the only two that you've convinced me are actually good. <laughs> All right, here we go. And maybe secret family language, but that's incredibly unlikely. <laughs> okay, here we go. Number eight. I could teach a class or be an interpreter for cash money. <laughs> so for snakes? No. <laughs> An interpreter for snakes. No. So in situations when people rarely encounter 
another person that can speak parcel tongue and is refusing to, like, you know, speak to them in English, I can be an interpreter. That's so rare. It would probably never happen, but it's still a situation that could possibly happen. It's it's canon in the books. The okay. fucking ministry worker goes there. And what if the what if the, the Gaunts were just like, fuck you, we're not going to speak English? What would they have done? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing you can do, really. They would have gotten um, in somebody who learns lots of languages for fun, like Dumbledore, who knows a bunch of languages. But wouldn't it be great if they had an interpreter who could speak parcel mouth as just, like, a fucking person that exists in the world and they can call up on as a consultant to be like, we have a family that's refusing to speak English. Can you fucking come with us and tell us what they're saying? As a full-time <laughs> job, you'll never support yourself with that. As an interpreter... No, like who... I said, it is a rare thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's fucking rare, but it could happen. Number two, teaching a class. So this is for situations of people who want to learn the language purely for educational reasons, for scholarly reasons, for personal reasons, like they're marrying into a family, or just for fun, because they want to seem intimidating and cool. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's people who would want to learn parcel tongue to seem cool. And might pay money for that. I would happily teach them what I can. <laughs> yeah. My big problem with this is the fact that parcel tongue is so rare as a language. Yeah. It's just like, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> this is like saying... Won't it? I don't know. It's really... I would go to a parcel tongue class. <laughs> having such an incredibly specific, complicated skill that's only good in this really specific circumstance is not useful. It's like saying it's really, really useful for me to keep a bulldozer in my house in case one day I really need to flatten something with a bulldozer. It could happen. There could be a situation where I have to use this bulldozer. (laughs) Therefore, I should always keep it and it's useful to have around. No. If you have to invent this incredibly unlikely outlandish scenario in order for your skill to finally have its moment to shine, it's not useful. Look, I'm just saying that I think there are people that would want to learn it in a class if they could. And I don't think that's too outlandish to say. It 100% is. Okay, I'm getting into one of my other arguments now. Stigma. The massive stigma that surrounds parcel tongue as Mm -hmm. a language. Parcel mouths are outright assumed to be evil because of the association with Salazar Slytherin, the most famous parcel mouth ever. Wizards as we know, are highly superstitious and hysterical. So this would have, like, really, really real consequences, which we see with Harry in Chamber of Secrets, where everyone assumes that he's attacking Muggleborns, even though that makes no sense for anyone who knows him, because it's the mark of a dark wizard to be able to speak with snakes. And in the fifth book as well, when Cornelius Fudge is like, he can talk to snakes, obviously we can't trust him. That's a huge part of the reason why the public turns yeah. on him, because they find out that he's a parcel mouth. So the idea that you can just ho- host a class and be like, I'm going to teach everyone parcel tongue. No one's going to go to that class except for edgy emo teens who want to grow up to be <laughs> villains. Hey, if they're dumb and rich edgy emo teens, then I'll take their money. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking at this in the context of like post-war sort of thing, where it's like, this is just for educational purposes. I can speak parcel tongue. Harry Potter can also speak parcel tongue, and he is the literal savior of the world. <laughs> so it's not just like a dark wizard trait; it's just a thing that people can do. So, except actually, 
after the book series, Harry loses the ability to speak parcel tongue because he gets rid of the Voldemort soul. So it is still a dark wizard trait because it only came from his connection to yeah, Voldemort. Yeah, okay, but who knows that? Well, Harry, because Harry's not going to be like, I'm out and proud <laughs> as a parcel mouth and I support this parcel tongue school because he's going to be like, no, fuck that. <laughs> it's not a school! <laughs> it's not a school, it's like a fucking, like, you know, like a little night lesson in the local library. <laughs> <Night lesson. laughs> Like one galleon entry, <laughs> like yeah, one galleon. Get that cash. <laughs> Look, anyway, um, and my ninth point is that it could provide some <laughs> cool party tricks. So imagine like you're at a party and there's some dude that can like hula hoop really well, and you're like, <laughs> I can top that, <laughs> and you like throw your head out a window and be like, Oi, snakes! Come party, come feel the vibrations, and some snakes come in and start dancing. Mm-hmm. That requires <laughs> that there is that's great. That requires that there's already a snake at the party. You bring a snake to the party, or a snake happens to be passing the party. No, two of those are incredibly unlikely, yeah, and yeah, one yeah. of them makes you the weird snake girl who brings snakes to all of the parties. <laughs> no, no, I'm not bringing the snake. I'm sticking my head out the window and calling for the snake. If the snake doesn't come, then okay. <laughs> Fine, I'll yeah, wait to the next cool. party. <laughs> so let me paint you a little word picture. So I'm at a yeah. party. There's a guy doing yeah. some sick hula hoop tricks. Then a girl yeah. I don't know stands up and she's like, I can beat that. Sticks her head out of the window. <laughs> hisses like a lunatic for a while. And then she's like, um, sorry, it didn't work. <laughs> Sit back down. <laughs> Look, you got to admire her passion and her tenacity. <laughs> And her willingness to admit her faults. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that was that was nine. <laughs> tenth reason. Yep. Uh, my tenth point is that... <laughs> my tenth reason, my last reason, is that it would give me a cool air of mystery and intimidation and a powerful <laughs> aura. Which I think would be fun. <laughs> I think that's Aesthetic. true to an extent, but I think that that aura would lean more into powerful dark witch than uh-huh. you want it to. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, like, obviously there's going to be some people that will just undoubtedly think you're a dark witch and you can't change their mind. But if you're just living your life like a normal person mm-hmm. and showing that you're actually a good person and care about other people and aren't into torturing and killing people, then I think most people <laughs> would realize this is just a skill that she has, but she's actually a really nice person. I think that that's fine. See... I think maybe maybe we're not understanding how snakes are viewed in magical culture. Because, mm. so like, imagine like a skull, right? So like a skull is, you know, obviously a symbol of death and something like that. But like you could imagine an edgy teen walking around with like a skull on their shirt. You wouldn't automatically assume that they're evil and violent. You might, if you're particularly stupid and closed-minded. But, like, you know, this person who always has skull jewellery and skulls all over themselves and talk about how they love skulls all the time (laughs) is not necessarily an evil witch. It might just be, like, a cool aesthetic choice. Yeah. And that's how you're thinking of parcel tongue. Whereas I think parcel tongue is more (laughs) like if you're like, I'm a perfectly nice, normal person with a swastika tattoo. And everyone's like, no, no, get away, no, I don't trust this. And you're like, no, 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 it's fine, though. I'm perfectly normal and good. Let me show you my party trick. And everyone's like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. 
What no, no, the no. Fuck? No, Dark Wizard doesn't I equal think that's fucking like, because racist, of this. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? No. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, it's not a perfect parallel. I think that the association between snakes, snakes being this huge big part of dark magic and the strong link with dark wizards is much more serious than your thinking. I think that people are going to be much more afraid of you and much more unwilling to trust you and to give you the benefit of the doubt if they know that you're a parcel mouth. Close-minded fucks. Anyway, I'd still want to be a parcel mouth if it's a cool skill. <laughs> and I would just move to Australia and talk to the snakes there. And maybe <laughs> if, like, in Australian magic, the rainbow serpent is around, I would just talk to that rainbow serpent and have a great time. And everyone in the UK is missing out. <laughs> so, mm. fuck them. <laughs> it's definitely much more useful in Australia or somewhere with lots of snakes. Where else has lots of snakes? India? Uh, South America. I don't know. Places with lots of snakes. Yeah. South America. Anywhere with jungle. Where, like, Uncle Monty lives, yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uncle Monty's house. That's where... Parcel tongue would be a useful Fuck skill. Yeah. At Uncle if you were, house is it a heptologist? A series of unfortunate events. Or is it something with hep? Hep? Something with hep. Mm. Anyway, okay. Here's the points of my argument that we haven't got into. So I think I've already like made a point that for the average person, there's no way that learning the snake language is a valuable use of your time and mental energy. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can only use it in incredibly specific circumstances, it's not a useful skill. Mm-hmm. The thing that I compared learning parcel tongue to is learning Latin, right. like useful in academia and for like the scientific names for things, but not, not at all applicable to everyday life or communicating with others. Except in the magical world, where knowing Latin would actually be incredibly useful and way more useful than possible. But like knowing Latin in our world. (laughs) Yeah, like knowing Latin in the muggle world. Like, sure, if you could just flick a switch in your brain and know Latin, why not? Definitely. But if it's like, okay, it's school time, everyone needs to pick the language they're going to learn. Are you going to learn, I don't know, Mandarin, French, or Latin? Why would you pick Latin? That's so stupid. (laughs) Generally speaking, unless you have a pet snake, the pet snake is the exception to this because then you have a cool friend that you can talk to. They can do things for you. They can spy yeah. for you. They can tell you all their secrets. That's really cool. Generally, I don't think snakes out in the wild have a lot that's really useful to say. I don't think that it would be really cool to talk to like just loose snakes. I think they would just be like, ah, you're big and I'm scared. Go away from me. <laughs> that's all they would have to say. What if it's like the homeless network in like Sherlock where he just like talks to one snake and they, they know everything. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. It could snakes be like could that. Be really intelligent. <laughs> Definitely. It could be like that, but I don't think it is. And also <laughs> I should have said this earlier when you were like, what if a snake's attacking me? If you're a wizard, there's just so many better, easier ways to deal with a bad snake attacking you than talking to them. If you can just wave your wand and that snake disappears forever, like, who cares? It's not worth it to learn by First of all, it's not a bad snake for attacking you. You're a bad person in its territory. (laughs) That's true. 100%. I'm disappearing a snake that's just living its life and I got in its way. That's so fucking rude. How about I just use my diplomatic skill of parcel tongue to talk to this snake? (laughs) This is 
like this is one of those incredibly specific circumstances but i was thinking about when nagini tricked harry in godric's hollow in seventh book oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) like hands down the most horrifying scene in all of harry potter Uh uh-huh Fucking Bethilda Bagshot unhinges her jaw and a giant snake crawls out of her skin. Oh my god, that's so terrifying. It's so much scarier than anything else that happens in the series. Yeah, I thought that the anyway, snake burst out from her throat, like, through the skin. That's what I assumed happened. Oh, I always assumed it just came out of her mouth. Like, either or all, honestly. They're both just as awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really bad. It's really, really bad that there was a big snake walking around in a dead woman's skin. Ugh, everything no. in that situation's horrible. So what I assumed happened mm. was that Voldemort came along, killed Bathilda, turned her into an inferi, and then... So he was, like, marionetting Bathilda as an inferi, and then basically Nagini or whoever went in, removed her organs... And put them aside. That's why the whole house smelled like rotting meat, because it was her organs. And then Nagini slid them aside to Bethilda, and the trap was set. So Voldemort, because he's a dark wizard, he's like remotely controlling the body, but the snake is also just waiting as like a sleeping spy inside of this old woman. (laughs) That's what I assumed happened. (laughs) Okay. That makes more sense than what I assumed. What I assumed basically was that... Voldemort came along, killed Mathilda Bagshot, and then either pulled off her skin or scooped out all the insides Mm. and put Nagini in there and then used magic to animate the skin. And then Nagini was basically piloting this empty skin Like a mech suit? Like in fucking Pacific Rim? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ew. Yeah. Basically, yes. (laughs) Like, maybe the, um, like, there was meat and bone left in the limbs, yep. I guess, and it was just, like, the whole torso area that was empty. Yeah. Because Nagini's a big yeah. snake. The intestines are just replaced with snake. Like, that's what I imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it would need to be more than intestines. Like, Nagini yeah. is huge. All the organs is what I'm guessing. <laughs> Except for, like, the limbs just yeah, like scooped out. Like, like the like whole chest cavity and stomach and intestines. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this sorry for this conversation that's happening. <laughs> we have to put a trigger warning. Yeah, on the so that's the for worst. And violence. <laughs> sorry, we do um. <laughs> snake talk. Yeah, <laughs> we just sort of got it. Like literally, I forgot we were recording a conversation. <laughs> we were recording a podcast. It's like, oh yeah, this is how I think this happened. <laughs> um, sorry, oh. that just happened. My the point that I was making is Harry, the biggest dumbass who's ever lived. Because he's a parcel mouth, was unable to tell the difference between a person talking to him and a snake in person's skin talking to him. So yeah. a possible drawback of being a parcel mouth is that a snake could trick you. <laughs> and I hate that. <laughs> That's really bad. Okay. Obviously, a snake could only trick me in that very specific circumstance where it's wearing a skin suit or something. Or it's, like, on the phone, I guess. Being like, you are the 10,000th caller and you've won a billion dollars. But I guess a snake could trick me. But I'm not going to give out my bank details over the phone because I'm not a boomer. (laughs) (laughs) Over the phone is great. I didn't think about over the phone. (laughs) What I was thinking of is, like... (laughs) How would it dial... Doesn't, doesn't have, have any fingers. hands. 
sounds. What neck. I was thinking is, like you're walking home, it's dark, it's the middle of the night, you hear a voice from an alley. Hey, come over here. Come into the storm drain. <laughs> it's in a storm drain now. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> and then you go into the alley expecting, like, a regular human interaction, and instead, what happens? Snake bites you. <laughs> Hi, Georgie. And then mugs you. <laughs> a regular human interaction. Oh, yeah, if I was walking home at night, <laughs> if I was walking home at night and I looked into an alleyway and couldn't see a person but could hear a voice and they're like, hey, come in here, totally, I would trust that, that's fine. But what if a snake took advantage of my trusting nature? Yeah, I'm absolutely running in the <laughs> other direction. <laughs> Look, I just don't think it's realistic. <laughs> Over the phone, maybe. Any other scenario, (laughs) not. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. The main problem with my scenario is that I'm too smart to give out my bank details over the phone. So a snake couldn't trick me. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What's a snake going to do with my money anyway? (laughs) Uh, Buy shit. What's he going to (laughs) buy? Hands! He's gonna, Skin suit so that he can gonna, trick the next person better. No, he's gonna he's gonna get the money, convince Crookshanks the cat to post the money to the bank and then buy himself a broom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it's a con. Crookshanks is in on it. <laughs> oh my god, Crookshanks the middleman. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, I'm fucking tearing up. So in oh. conclusion. <laughs> <sighs> Bringing it back to reality now. Oh, there goes gravity. I just think if you're born a parcel mouth, if you're born a parcel mouth, that's fine. It doesn't cost you anything to learn the language, which means like it's good to have it as a useful backup skill in certain very specific <laughs> circumstances. But it's also bad because this it's highly stigmatized, and if anyone finds out, they're not going to trust mm-hmm. you. Okay. But if you're not born a parcel mouth, if you have to learn parcel tongue the language, it would be a much better use of your time and energy to learn literally any language. That's yeah. that's all the muggle languages, all the wizard languages, all the magical being languages, gobbledygook, the goblin language. Yeah. I go to the bank more often than I encounter a snake. Yeah. And if there are other animal languages, there's so many more animal languages that would have more utility for the average witcher like wizard. Like owls. Like primarily yeah. owls. Yeah, um, if you could talk to yeah. owls, that would be incredible. Yeah. I agree with you in that, like, if you're not born a parcel mouth, why bother? But there is one useful spin I'll put onto the stigma argument. You said that as soon as anyone finds okay. out that you're a parcel mouth, they're not going to trust you. But I guess a useful side to that is if you wanted someone to trust you, but as soon as they find out that this one extraneous detail about you that you can't help and they decide not to trust you, they're not worth your time. And you shouldn't have wanted to trust them in the first place. Yeah. So I guess it's it's useful in that way because if someone's going to instantly judge you for something that you can't control, they're not worth being in your life. So, fuck them. Yeah. It's good to weed out <laughs> the bad eggs. The people who you don't need in your life. Yeah. False friends. See? It is useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... It's really useful if you want to establish yourself as a villain and you want people to fear you. That's a good use of parcel yeah. tongue. All you need then is to buy the cape and you're done. <laughs> yeah. And a big fuck off snake to be your minion. Yeah. Well, 
I have been Jem and uh, I've been Rhea and I really don't want to run into a snake in a back alley. <laughs> hey listeners, before we end our episode today, Rhea and I just wanted to make a small statement about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. I know it's been like ages since more news has come out, but frankly, Rhea and I weren't aware of it because we don't keep up to date with that kind of news very often. And then we pre-recorded a bunch of episodes and edited them early, so we couldn't find a right way, right, right place to put it. So now we're finally doing it. Um, we just wanted to put this out there because we don't want to be the kind of podcasters that if we say something and then it turns out that something wasn't true, that we just completely ignore it. So we wanted to bring this up. So it's only been recently that Rhea and I have been made aware of the shifts in the Depp Heard case, and we had to take some time to properly articulate our thoughts. First up, we've made comments in this show before about Depp and how we think he was an inappropriate casting choice, or else just bad specifically because he was an abuser. This was an assumption on our part, which was made hastily and without consideration for the nuanced context of the Depp and Heard case. We heard that Heard had, had, had come forward with abuse allegations, um, saw photos of bruises on her face, videos of Depp smashing glass and yelling. The age gap, the power imbalance, and the fact that, on a personal level, neither Rhea nor I were big fans of Depp led us immediately to the conclusion that Depp was an outright abuser. This has turned out to not be entirely true, and our understanding of the case now is that this particular couple has a pretty tumultuous relationship where they were both abusing each other, that some of her accusations were exaggerated and that Depp was abused as well. It was wrong of us to jump so quickly on the assumption train and look at this scenario as a black and white example of abuse. That being said, Rhea and I aren't going to apologise for the instinct that we both shared in believing someone who had come forward with allegations of abuse against a man in power and popularity. Something we would like to make clear is that it's situations like these that can remind us that when we think about domestic violence or intimate partner violence, we have to remember that sometimes abusers may have been victims themselves before, that abuse can sometimes be circular between couples, and that men are victims as well. Basically, we just wanted to let you all know that we made a mistake and we want to be honest about that, and in the future, when we bring up Derp in any context, we will persevere to only be critical of his acting and personality and not talk about the alleged allegations. So, yeah, that's that's basically our statement. Um... Yeah, I hope that clears things up for some people. Uh, thanks, I guess. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.